Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. This is a transformative time for black America. Our income is at an all-time high, and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, They've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's Let's start start with with Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. I'm Sandra Champlain. For over 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death, and so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Some of my favorite stories are that of veridical or verifiable evidence of the afterlife. I remember on one episode, maybe a year ago, there was the story of a woman who had a near-death experience and felt herself floating up through the surgery room and up on top of the hospital. And there on the roof of the hospital was a red high-heeled shoe. Someone that worked at the hospital actually went up to the roof and there, lo and behold, was that shoe. These kind of things are verified and they let us know that certainly our consciousness does not remain just in our body. I've done experiments with remote viewing and have successfully been able to see things on someone's table halfway around the world. Today, I want to look at more verifiable or veridical stories to remind us all that our souls are incredible. Before I get into the stories, I want to give you an update 
on my lucid dreaming experiences. Several months ago, I purchased a course online on lucid dreaming by Robert Wagner, who wrote the book Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. I had heard of stories of people who reconnected with their deceased loved ones and thought, if we could experiment and be reunited with our loved ones, it would help through the grieving process and help us really believe in the afterlife. There are times that we have these very clear and lucid and true-to-life dreams where we can do anything, create anything, and be connected with the higher part of ourselves. I have to be honest, after I purchased the course, I watched just one of the weekly segments, got very busy in life, and forgot about it until just a couple of nights ago. When I took my first course in mediumship, I feel like I had beginner's luck, that the universe gives us just enough so that we know something is real, and then we have to go and work for it. And the same thing happened with lucid dreaming. I had one experience that I realized I was sleeping, yet my consciousness was wide awake. I requested that I meet up with my dad. And before I knew it, my dad was there. What made it different from any other dream is that not only did I see him and get a great big hug from him, he was younger than I remembered him to be. He spoke to me. I could hear his voice. When I woke up, the dream was still so alive for me. And in my heart, I knew that was dad. For about a month, I kept a dream journal. And every time I woke up, even in the middle of the night, I wrote down my dreams. However, I didn't take the advice about what to do in waking life. Things like asking myself, am I dreaming now? Many times a day so that when I get into the dream state, I could automatically say, am I dreaming now? And catch myself in a dream. So three nights ago, I realized this home study course was going to expire. I stayed up late into the night and watched the next seven weeks instructions. Most of the instructions were what to do once you were in the lucid dreaming state. And although I haven't perfected the way to get there, all the stories I heard told me there was so much more than just meeting up with a loved one. For instance, author Robert Wagner really believes that we are all connected, which is something so many of us believe. In one of his lucid dreams, he was in a restaurant and saw his friend Mo. He ran up to Mo, very excited, and said to her, Hey, Mo, we're meeting here in the dream state. She gave him a rather dumbfounded look and didn't communicate back with him. He thought this may just be his own memory of Mo. So he went up to Mo. He waved in front of her face, trying to get some reaction from her, gave her the peace sign right in front of her face, and thought, Clearly, this was a figment of his own imagination. Several months later, he had an opportunity to see Mo. What was the first thing Mo did? She waved in front of his face 
and put a peace sign right in front of his eyes. He said, Mo, why did you do that? She says, I don't know. I just felt like it. Other interesting things that I learned can happen in this lucid dreaming state. We can create anything. We can levitate. We can go to the Taj Mahal if we'd like. We can float in outer space. If we have a question, we can ask our higher intelligence for the answer. Some of the things that Robert Wagner talks about, which I found very interesting, is experiencing a light of awareness, almost like God or a higher intelligence, and having a feeling of being unconditionally loved, which we hear so much from near-death experiences. He says that he's met review committees, groups of people that have let him know how well he's doing in life and areas that he could improve if he choose. He's also experimented with mutual lucid dreaming, meeting up with friends who are fellow lucid dreamers at the same time, at the same night, and both coming back, experiencing the same thing. More verified evidence. Healing is something that can happen in lucid dreaming. He gave an example of a woman who tried everything to get rid of some planter's warts that were on her feet. No matter what medication she used or even visual imagery and meditation, she could not get rid of them. In this lucid dreaming state, she created a powerful white light of healing and directed it to her feet. And when she woke up within the next 24 hours, all the warts turned black, dropped off, and never returned again. He talks about not only self-healing, but then sending this healing light to others. The next morning after I did my marathon binge-watching of the Lucid Dreaming course, my mom just happened to ask me, Sandra, if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? My first thought was, oh, another cruise might be nice. But then I thought my trip would not be on an airplane. It would be figuring out how to get into this magical, miraculous space in our minds through lucid dreaming. At the end of our episode today, I'll give you a few tools if you'd like to go on that journey with me. There are hundreds of thousands of people who do lucid dreaming. It is a very real thing. Also, Robert Wagner created a free online magazine. You can go to luciddreamingmagazine.com. I happen to notice that his March 2024 issue is going to be on lucid dreams of the deceased. If you listen to this episode prior to February 15th, 2024, you can actually share your dreams of your loved one with him. You'll be happy to know that last night, well, actually it was early this morning, I had a lucid dream. It was very short, but I used the WBTB method that you will hear about at the end of this episode, which stands for Wake Back to Bed. 
In my dreamy state, yet I was still awake, I kept repeating to myself that I will recognize that I'm having a dream and I'll dream about my father. And if almost by magic, it seemed like I was in a very cloudy room and as the mist began to subside, my dad was sitting there with a group of my relatives. That's all I remember. And then I fell sound asleep. It's just a little breadcrumb on my path to becoming a lucid dreamer. As fantastic and strange and somewhat impossible this may seem, you may know the story of Roger Bannister having nothing to do with the afterlife. For hundreds and hundreds of years, scientists believed that the human body had limitations that prevented it from sustaining the necessary speed to run a mile in under four minutes. No one could do it because the belief system was so strong. But on May 6th, 1954, Englishman Roger Bannister became the very first person ever to run a mile in under four minutes. Now, the four-minute mile has become the professional standard in competitive runners. This goes to show you how powerful our thoughts are. Walt Disney said, if we can dream it, we can do it. And Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Richard Bach said, you are never given a dream without also being given the power to make it come true. Are you willing to meet up with your loved ones in the dream state? Takes a little work, but I think it will be worth it. When we get back from the break, we're going to hear stories of verified or veridical experiences that prove consciousness is not just in our bodies. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. I'd like to do a little reading right now for you from the book, The Self Does Not Die, written by Titus Rivas, Annie Durvin, and Rudolf Smith. Physician K.M. Dale related the case of nine-year-old Eddie Cuomo, whose fever finally broke after 36 hours of anxious praying on the part of his parents. As soon as he opened his eyes at three o'clock in the morning, Eddie urgently told his parents that he had been to heaven where he saw his deceased Grandpa Cuomo, Auntie Rosa, and Uncle Lorenzo. His father was embarrassed that Dr. Dale was overhearing Eddie's story and tried to dismiss it as feverish delirium. Then Eddie added that he also saw his 19-year-old sister, Teresa, who told him he had to go back. His father then became agitated because he had spoken to Teresa just two nights before on the phone. She was attending college in Vermont. Later that morning, when Eddie's parents telephoned the college, they learned that Teresa had been killed in an automobile accident just after midnight that very same night and that college officials had tried to unsuccessfully reach them at their home to inform them of the tragic news as they had been in the hospital with Eddie. 19-year-old Teresa was killed just after midnight, only about three hours before Eddie woke up. Obviously, the parents and the physician could not have been aware of her death prior to Eddie's heavenly encounter with her. Here's another story. John Myers related the case of a woman who, in a near-death experience, perceived herself leaving her body and viewing the hospital room, and she saw her distraught husband and the doctor shaking his head. She reported that she went to heaven and saw an angel in a very familiar young man. She exclaimed, Why, Tom, I didn't know you were up here. To which Tom responded that he had just arrived. The angel then told the woman that she would be returning to earth. She found herself back in the hospital bed with the doctor looking over her. Later that night, her husband got a call informing him that their friend Tom had died in an auto accident. That last story reminded me 
of a spur of the moment medium reading I did while I was on a vacation. I had gone on a cruise. I was set up with a roommate and I had told her that I had just returned from my first medium class. She says, oh, you're a medium. Who do you see around me? And I felt uncomfortable because I'm not a medium. And so many of the times in class, I got more information wrong than I got right. She says, you don't know me. Why not try? If it works, great. If it doesn't, who cares? So I gave it a go. Four names came to my mind. One of them sounding a little weird, like Maggie or Meggie. And she said, all those names are names of my grandparents. I used to call my grandmother Medje. From there, I saw a dark-skinned man with bright white teeth wearing a gold watch. Kept pointing to his watch, in fact. And I heard the name Ricky. And I asked her, does a handsome, dark-skinned man with a big smile, blue eyes, showing a gold watch mean anything to you? And she said, no, I don't have anybody deceased that fits that description. So I chalked that one up to my imagination, and I'm sure we ordered another pina colada. We exchanged phone numbers, and the next day after I arrived home, I got a call from my friend. She said her friend, Ricky, died while we were on that cruise. He perfectly fit the description, and she had given him that gold watch for his birthday. That's a case of verified evidence. This next story is from a nurse who felt concerned that a patient said they recognized her. She was giving this patient, a woman, a bath when the patient remarked, you were here yesterday. The nurse asked her if she could remember anything. The patient told her she had seen her from above and how the team had tried to resuscitate her. She also remembered a conversation between the nurse and one of the doctors about the dress code. The doctor had, in fact, said to the nurse that she was not allowed to wear dresses to work anymore and had commented that she couldn't wear a skirt either. The nurse responded that that indeed was the conversation that was had while this woman was being resuscitated. Here's the next story. In New England, van driver Al Sullivan underwent an emergency operation at the age of 56 at the Hartford Hospital in Connecticut. He was having heart arrhythmias at work, and when he was examined at the hospital, one of the coronary arteries became blocked, requiring him to undergo immediate surgery. During the operation, he felt himself leave his body. He had the feeling of rising up, and in doing so, seemed completely surrounded by a kind of thick black smoke until he finally rose to kind of an amphitheater that he was unable to enter. There was a wall between him and the operating room, and behind it, a particularly bright light was shining. He managed to hold on to the wall and to look over it. To his surprise, he saw his body in the lower left, lying on a table, and covered by light blue sheets. He also saw how he had been cut open to expose his chest cavity. He saw his heart and also his surgeon. The surgeon seemed like he was flapping his arms as if trying to fly. 
Then Sullivan moved beyond the material, physical realm in which he saw his deceased loved ones, among them his mother, who had died young, and a glorious yellow light, all the while experiencing overwhelming feelings of warmth, joy, love, and peace. The verifiable evidence here is the flapping of the doctor's elbows. The patient thought it looked like he was trying to fly. It turned out that after the doctor washes his hands, in a haste, he has this strange habit of flapping his elbows to try to quickly dry his hands. Here's a story of a 60-year-old man who was recovering from an emergency intervention in connection with intestinal cancer. After the operation, he felt terrible. He was suffering from sepsis and the failure of various organs. Within about five minutes, they feared cardiac arrest was imminent, and the patient lapsed into a deep unconscious state. With his eyes shut and with him failing to respond to verbal commands or quite painful stimulation. The patient's condition deteriorated and everyone tried to figure out what was going on. Various medical procedures were performed in an attempt to improve his condition. Meanwhile, the physiotherapist on the team worried she was responsible for what had happened. During the procedure, The woman was standing nervously on the other side of the privacy curtain, intermittently poking her head around the curtain to see how the patient was doing. Once the patient's condition had stabilized, she noticed that he was drooling. She used a long suction catheter and then a wet pink sponge on his mouth. After about half an hour, the patient began to blink his eyes and move his arms and legs. Three or four hours after the incident, the patient had fully regained consciousness. Once the patient had revived, the medical team on duty walked toward him. He made an excited attempt to tell the doctor something. He could not speak because he was hindered by a breathing apparatus. He was given a board with letters on which he spelled out, I died and watched it all from above. As soon as the patient no longer needed the breathing apparatus, he said, all I can remember is that I was floating up and I could see everything. It was so painless and I was so happy. Looking down, I could see everyone. Everyone was panicking around me. The blonde lady, therapist, she was panicking. She was hiding behind the curtains, but kept poking her head around to check on me. I could see a long, pink lollipop kind of thing on a stick. I don't know what that was, but it kept coming to my mouth. A moment later, he said, you were there, Penny, and two doctors, but you with the lollipop sponge, yes, like a mouthwash. She said, I can remember doing that, but at the time you were completely unconscious and your eyes were closed. He said, well, I could see that as plain as I can see you now. She said, did you hear me say that I was going to clean your mouth? He said, no, I didn't hear anything. I was just looking down from above, seeing you do something with my mouth with this long pink thing. All verified information. Linda Morris and Kathleen Naffel, both PhD level nurses, interviewed 19 nurses about their experiences with patients who had been close to death 
or who had had a NDE. The nurses reported all kinds of experiences, such as a visible glow around a patient shortly before the patient's death, perceptions of angels at the deathbed, and paranormal dreams about patients. One nurse told of a patient who had an out-of-body experience during cardiac arrest. She said, the patient described the whole scene. I was flying over everybody. She described that we were doing CPR on her. And then she described something funny. She said, there was a penny on top one of the cabinets, but you'd have to climb up to see it. So I mentioned this to another nurse who talks about these kind of things like I do. She actually looked up on top of the cabinet and found the penny. As we go into the break, I want you to think for yourself, have you received any verifiable evidence? Such as, have you known the phone was going to ring and then you knew exactly who would be calling? Or have you and a loved one said the same thing at the exact same time? We are all connected. So we'll go to the break. We'll come back with more stories and then give you some instruction if you would like to use a lucid dreaming to connect with your loved ones. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and our topic today is verifiable evidence. 
And please be sure to stick to the end when I give some instruction on lucid dreaming to be able to tap into that wealth of knowledge inside of us and I believe be able to connect with our deceased loved ones. Here's our next example, again, coming from the book, The Self Does Not Die. Social psychologist Kenneth Ring and PhD level nurse Madeline Lawrence describe the case of a patient of Joyce Harmon's, a surgical intensive care nurse in Hartford, Connecticut. Harmon, at the time of the patient's near-death experience, had just returned from vacation the week before. During the vacation, she had bought new shoelaces that had a plaid pattern, and she happened to be wearing them the first day back at the hospital. That same day, she was busy resuscitating a patient, a woman whom she did not know. She administered medications to her. The resuscitation was successful, and the next day, Harmon, by chance, saw the woman again, and they had a conversation. The patient said spontaneously, Oh, you're the one with the plaid shoelaces. Nurse Harmon was dumbfounded and felt the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. The patient told her she had seen the shoelaces from above when she had died. Norma Bowe, Ph.D., a professor in the College of Education at Keene University in Union, New Jersey, and a registered nurse, tells this story. She was employed as a nurse in emergency rooms and ICUs, and she dealt with many patients. She was regularly confronted by fatalities. In the neurology ICU, she once encountered a patient with a stitched-up head wound who had had an out-of-body experience. The woman came to Nurse Bo's unit in a coma. She remained in a coma for several weeks. During that time, she had a cardiac arrest from which a team resuscitated her after repeated attempts in the emergency room. When the patient had come out of her coma, she was unhooked from the apparatuses that had kept her alive. The patient claimed that she had an out-of-body experience during which she had observed the room from above. Because Bo was familiar with this kind of story, she did not attach much significance to it, and so she was only half listening to the patient. The patient, however, turned out to be suffering from obsessive-compulsive disorder that centered on remembering numbers. And this feature did catch Bo's attention. The patient compulsively tried to commit to memory every number she came across. The woman claimed that during her out-of-body experience, she had imprinted in her memory the serial number of the respirator, which was to be found on the very top of the machine. At that time, respirators were some six feet in height. The patient chanted the number, comprising of 12 digits. Bo and her colleagues wrote the number down, but thought no more of it. One day, the respiratory specialist came to take the machine from the room because the patient did not need it anymore. A custodial staff member was therefore called to dust the top of the respirator. A ladder was needed to reach it. The man who dusted the machine proceeded to read out 
exactly the same number as the one the patient had observed from above. Wow, that's pretty extraordinary. Physician John Lerma worked for 10 years at the renowned Texas Medical Center Hospice at the Medical Center of Houston, Texas, and has written about visions that the dying may have. In his book, Into the Light, Lerma highlighted the following case, which was instrumental in his decision to pursue a career as a hospice physician. At the time of this case, Dr. Lerma was working as an intern at a hospital in San Antonio, Texas. One night, several patients were brought to the hospital for emergency treatment, including Ricardo, aged 82, a man who had collapsed while eating dinner. Lerma tried to resuscitate this patient directly. After the first electrical shock, the patient's heart rhythm appeared to restore itself. Ricardo slowly awake and mumbled something about the light and about an out-of-body experience. He also made a comparison with a roller coaster. Ricardo was still bothered by chest pain, so in order to distract him, Lerma asked the patient to tell him more about the roller coaster. Ricardo then described a classic, beautiful near-death experience, including meeting angels who had told him that he would survive. After the short conversation, the patient had another cardiac arrest. The team tried to resuscitate him by means of shock, but that did not work this time. Only when Lerma delivered an epinephrine injection into the patient's heart was the rhythm restored. The next day, Lerma went to see the new patients and saw Ricardo waving at him and motioning that the doctor should come see him first. He thanked Dr. Lerma for his efforts and also referred to the conversation about the near-death experience. Ricardo told Lerma the kind of lessons he had retained from the near-death experience. Lastly, he asked the intern to help him prove that his experience had been more than just a dream. The patient said, I was out of my body and floating up above the trauma room when I spotted a 1985 quarter lying on the right-hand corner of the eight-foot-high cardiac monitor. It was amidst the dust, as if someone had put it there for this very reason a long time ago. Dr. Lerma, could you please check this for me? It would mean so much to me. Subsequently, Lerma took a ladder to the emergency room. He climbed up the ladder in the presence of nurses. Lerma says, to our total amazement, there it was, just as he had seen it, the quarter with even the year 1985 on it. He argued that there appeared to be only two possible explanations for the correct description of the quarter. Either Ricardo had placed the quarter there himself, or he was truly able to see the coin in his out-of-body state. He mentioned that Ricardo, from a medical point of view, had not been in any condition to climb a ladder for years. Lerma also could not establish a link with anyone who worked in the emergency room. You know what I love about that story? Yes, I love the verifiable evidence of the 1985 quarter. But because of that experience, the doctor, John Lerma, went into being a hospice doctor. And now he's got the book, Into the Light, 
real life stories about angelic visits, visions of the afterlife, and other pre-death experiences. Yep, I added that to my list. 17-year-old Michaela of Homer City, Pennsylvania, was on vacation with her family. Unfortunately, she was the victim of a serious car accident caused by the driver of a large truck. She was flown to an emergency room by helicopter. She had suffered serious brain injury and wounds to her arms. The doctor who gave Michaela trauma treatment in the helicopter, Scott Magley, said he did his utmost to save her, but she still slipped into a coma on arrival at the hospital. In this condition, Michaela had a near-death experience with a panoramic review of her past, along with a peek into her future. Afterward, she found herself up in the corner of the hospital room where she looked down on her own body. Then Michaela saw her parents sitting in the hospital cafeteria with both of her grandmothers sitting across from them. She said, my dad is a smoker and he said he was going to have a cigarette because he just wanted to get some breathing room and get out of there for a while. And it was funny because my grandmother, my mom's mom, who would never, ever, ever have a cigarette in her life, said, I need one too. I'm going to have one of those. And then my other grandmother said, yeah, me too. Two weeks later, Michaela awoke from her coma. She told her astonished mother that both her grandmothers had suddenly started smoking with Michaela's father. This event was confirmed by the mother. On their Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website, Jeffrey and Jody Long presented the account of a mother, Marnie S., who wrote about her daughter's near-death experience. When the little girl was only two years old, she had an unexpected cardiac arrest and was unconscious for at least four minutes. She was resuscitated at a hospital with the help of a defibrillator. Her mother wrote, A few months after being released from the hospital, she told our then 12-year-old daughter, I'm all better now. Our older daughter responded with, You are? How do you know that? Our two-year-old daughter said, God told me. A few weeks later, we were sitting around the campfire as a family roasting marshmallows when our daughter told us, God came to see me when I was at the hospital. He carried me up to the sky when the doctors were putting something on me. He told me I was all better now and took me back down to the hospital. Our daughter was very upset that she had to return to the hospital. She really wanted to go with God. A 49-year-old man had a massive heart attack. The physician tried his utmost to resuscitate him, but after some 35 minutes, the doctor gave up. He had already started filling out his death certificate when someone pointed out that there still seemed to be life in the patient. The doctor tried again and was successful at resuscitating him. The next day, the patient was able to tell the doctor in great detail what had happened in the emergency room. The man described the hairstyle on the nurse. He had even read her last name on her name tag, which was Hawks. Time for the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM 
Paranormal Podcast Network. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. If you're interested in more of these stories, the book, The Self Does Not Die, has just been republished in a second edition with 24 new cases. In fact, they say within the book, there are 128 total cases. When we started the show today, I spoke about lucid dreaming. And I really believe it's the next frontier with not only afterlife communication, but also self-healing, getting to know our higher self, and who knows what else is possible. I want to read to you a story written by a fellow named Zach. He said, I tried lucid dreaming for 30 days and my life has changed forever. As I get busier, I am constantly hunting for more hours in my day. I know, however, from academic journals and personal experience that taking away hours from sleep is the worst possible option. But what if I could find some extra time during sleep? What if that time was during dreams? But how do I gain awareness of my dreams? How will I know when I'm dreaming? Can I fly during dreams? Can I study during dreams? Can I fight Darth Vader in an awesome lightsaber battle? One day, 
I was telling one of my friends about one of my dreams, and she said she had flown to Egypt to see the pyramids in her previous dream. I was like, what? How did you do that? She told me it was just a regular, lucid dream for her. Immediately, I began researching what is lucid dreaming. For the next 30 days, my life became all about lucid dreaming. I bought a lucid dreaming book, read 100 Reddit posts, watched Inception and Memento, and bought a fancy journal and a pen. I went to bed one night, prepared to have a lucid dream and fly to explore pyramids like my friend. I went to bed and nothing happened. I was bummed. I had to do something different. I decided to separate the next 30 days into five-day blocks where I would commit to one thing every five days. Stephen LeBurge's book, Exploring the World of Lucid Dreaming, would be my guide. In phase one, I should be recording every single dream I have at night using a dream journal. I remember thinking, wait, so I have to wake up in the middle of the night, turn on a light and write stuff in a journal? That sounds like a nightmare right there. However, I did it. I wanted to have that epic lightsaber battle. I found waking up to be really tough. A couple of times I woke up, thought about journaling, but then went right back to sleep. What motivated me was reading all the stories from LeBurge's book and the internet. People were speaking to long-lost dead relatives, rehearsing for musical concerts, or canoodling with their favorite celebrity. At first, my recollection of dreams was abysmal. I would remember maybe one sentence describing the image of what had happened. Slowly, however, I built up more and more details. Soon, I was filling the page with details from my dreams. My hunger was building for the lucid dream, though, so I needed to go to the next phase. Phase two, reality checks. The idea behind reality checks is that if you consistently check to see if you are dreaming during real waking life, then eventually you will begin to check to see if you are dreaming while you are dreaming. So I made the plan to do this one reality check where I pinch my nose and try to breathe through my nose. In real life, of course, you can't breathe through a pinched nose, but when you are dreaming, you can breathe through a pinched nose. I scheduled myself to do reality checks whenever I noticed it was the hour marker. I remember feeling extremely silly when I first started doing this. And on the streets, people would occasionally look at me like I was crazy. But then something amazing happened. A couple days into doing reality checks, I had my first lucid dream. I was stunned by how vivid and real the dream world was. My brain is generating all these images and people and things. And now I was really hooked. There was no way I was going back. I wanted to have longer lucid dreams, do cooler things in the dreams, and have them more frequently. So I kicked it up a notch. Phase three, mnemonic induced lucid dreaming. This was the mild technique. All mild is, is when you wake up late in the night, you remember and record your dream. Then you fall back asleep. And you repeat to yourself, next time I'm dreaming, I will remember I'm dreaming. Next time I'm dreaming, I will remember I'm dreaming. And so on. 
all the while imagining what you would do when you remember you are dreaming. Then I hit the wall. Even though I was super motivated and committed, I found myself not having another lucid dream for a while. I was bummed. I thought the curve for lucid dreams would be exponential, but I was wrong. I began to lose interest in lucid dreaming. One day, I didn't even do any reality checks. Another day, I didn't record a single dream. Was it over? Was my lucid dreaming journey a thing of the past? Would I ever fly off into space? During this time, I reached out to my original lucid dreaming inspiration, and she told me, that's okay, it happens. She also said, it was a very tough commitment. You need to stay with it. I thought back to when I first started dreaming about my very first and only lucid dream and how awesome it was. And I realized this was important to me. Getting extra time was important to me. Exploring the world of my dreams was important to me. And I recommitted. Near the end of phase three, I was still not having lucid dreams, but my dream recall was on an all-time high. I was recording multiple pages of dreams per night. By the end of phase three, I knew I needed to change things up to add an ever more powerful method, a more advanced one. Phase four, WBTB. For my final phase, I decided to use wake back to bed method. The wake back to bed method entails waking up five or six hours after falling asleep and then falling asleep consciously. The idea being later in the night, your REM cycle is at its longest duration and your REM cycle is when you dream. However, many Redditors and even LeBurge indicated this method isn't for the weak of heart. Falling asleep consciously is difficult for a couple of reasons. Number one, you have to be at the perfect level of arousal. If you just wake up for a little while and then fall back asleep, you won't have awakened your prefrontal cortex enough to help you think and recognize that you are dreaming. But if you wake up too much, then you won't fall back asleep. So after my 10-day drought, I finally had another one. I fell asleep consciously. Things became very blurry and there were loud noises, but I emerged into the dream world. Then it just kept happening. Wake back to bed method kept working. I had another lucid dream, then another lucid dream. A couple days later, another lucid dream, and then another one. And then I was on lucid dream number six. And in this one, something intense happened. I think my subconscious was talking to me or a part of myself was talking to me. There was a figure that looked very similar to me that gave me life advice. The dream character was urging me to be healthier and slow down. I had an amazing lucid dream on my final night, night 30. I was in a playground surrounded by the ocean and remember thinking that was weird, but then I woke up. I immediately tried to go back to bed using the mild technique and found myself in that same place. Instantly, I became lucid and remembered my intention to fly in space. What followed was an experience I will never forget. I was flying through space, experiencing different dimensions and different shapes and had the happiest feeling ever. 
The dream intensified my emotions to a point where I was nearly in tears when I awoke. That's how amazing it was. I realized that there is so much to explore, not only in the world, but in my head. Imagine the crazy things I could discover if I kept doing this for a year. My life will never be the same. I needed to hear that myself, to be honest, because I started off so strong and then it is hard to keep up with this. But after reading all of those near-death experience accounts where people have this higher consciousness that's outside of their body, I think that we can get to that same place without having a near-death experience. And this is through lucid dreaming. If you do some research, if you start reading the free magazine at luciddreamingmagazine.com, you hear these stories from people, stories of healing, stories of meeting their higher self, stories of connecting with their deceased loved ones. And while you may think it's just your imagination, there has been verifiable evidence coming from lucid dreaming to prove that it's not all our imagination. Certainly some of it is. So I'm excited again, and we'll see where it goes. If you're interested, that book by Stephen LeBurge is called Exploring the World of Lucid Dreaming. And the book that I have been reading is Robert Wagoner's Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. I want to remind you that my home base is wedontdie.com. Near the bottom of the page, you can enter your name and email address. It says you get the first few chapters of my book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death, but it's the whole book. We have all kinds of good classes coming up. And of course, our free Sunday gathering inspirational service, two o'clock New York time every Sunday with a free medium demonstration included. I'm Sandra Champlain. You've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 